able to talk with everyone before I came in, but I'm so glad you're here. I want you to take your Bible and turn to two places, uh, Galatians chapter 6, and after you locate that, turn to Hebrews chapter 10, uh, those two places, Galatians chapter 6, and then Hebrews chapter 10. In 1996, I went to my 20th high school reunion and was pleasantly surprised to see uh, one of my very close friends. I played football with him um, in high school. He moved to my junior high school in the ninth grade and was not able to uh, play because uh, he got there too late. He did play baseball. But we played uh, football together, and then he went on to uh, the University of Alabama and then uh, was on the coaching staff there and then was uh, one of the uh, strength coaches. In fact, when I went, my brother was there, uh, I uh, walked uh, down the hall. I was um, in college. Uh, actually, I was in Virginia at that time and walked down the, the coaching hall and uh, my friend, who I'd known for many, many years, he, he walked by me, but I didn't recognize him. And you need to understand something. He had only been uh, maybe five or six years since I'd seen him. I looked at him. I looked right at him, but I didn't recognize him. And, and he said, Rick. And when he said, Rick, I recognized his voice, and I still didn't recognize him. And then he introduced himself, and I, I just could not believe the, the transformation uh, in his body. After he, uh, he had his time there with the, uh, the, on the coaching staff doing, doing the uh, strength and conditioning and so forth, he had a business. He went, he went into business and still does this, uh, advising uh, professional athletes and other people about their strength and fitness and became a power lifter. I'll show you a picture. I don't want to do it right now because it'll take your mind off the Bible, but I'll show you in a minute. Um, he's a, a multiple world power lifter, power lifting champion. And he has these, these rings that, that would rival any national championship ring. Um, one magazine, in fact, I looked it up uh, this week. It's, it is the dominant uh, powerlifting magazine. It's been around since 1936, and it said it was the dominant powerlifting magazine. It proclaimed my friend the, the strongest bodybuilder in the world. Now, he's, he's not there now, but uh, the strongest bodybuilder in the world won the world championship uh, with a bench press of 581 pounds. Uh, now, that's not the only thing he did. Some of you that lift and understand some of these things, 903 pounds in the squat. Uh, Jonah's looking, he can identify with this. Jonah had 800, I think, <laughs> one time. Uh, 903 in the squat, 820 pounds in the deadlift. My buddy was 41 years old. He competed in the Masters, which means anybody that's over 40 and also the open, which means anybody. You can compete with the 18-year-olds, the 25-year-olds, and everybody. And he won the division. He beat everybody. And he squatted 1,003 pounds. And you got that picture? If you could put that up there for me. I, I just want to show this to you momentarily. And uh, that's him. His name is Richard. Jimmy knows him. We went to school with him and. He's been here before, and he's given his testimony. I saw him at the reunion. I had not seen him in years. I remember I went to his home and to talk to him about the Lord and witness to him. And, and would spoke, speak to him. I, I loved him, and I feel like Richard loved me. We were friends. And after all of these decades, I saw him with his wife. I'd never met Linda before. And then, uh, so Paul and I sat with them at the pavilion there at NASA there on the on the arsenal and he began to talk and he the words he was using were words like Christians would use I told him about a friend of ours mutual friend and that uh, how that uh, he had been going through some trials and so forth 
and was really hurting. And Richard said, uh, is he broken, Rick? Well, you know, people don't use that word very often. I mean, Christians use it. And he had very compassion. Is he broken? And then he used some other terms. And, and I said, this, this man has met the Lord. I see him uh, at least once a year, sometimes a couple of times a year. And we talk frequently on the telephone. He's been a, a real blessing to me. And so after, after that time in 1996... Uh, so I was in my late 30s then. I humbly asked him. I found out what he did. I said, Richard, would you be willing to take me on as one of your clients? And I didn't use that word. I just said, hey, Richard, I, I need a, a workout plan. And he looked at me and he said, well, this would be a project. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so it wounds me when you laugh like that. And uh, he said, yes, I would. And so he created this this detailed this detailed chart, and I carried it on to my mid forties and so forth. And on different days, I would work on my back. Another day, I'd work on my legs, and another day, I'd, I'd work on my uh, my head. And I'm just I just said that, and I just followed the advice of an expert of an expert um, weightlifter and, and fitness guy. Now he he's, he lives in Tuscaloosa, and he communicated with me. And then he he not only gave me the material, but he would talk me through it and tell me had how many reps and how long to wait between each one, and very very detailed. And it was it was probably the the best shape I, I had been in certainly in my adult life. And, and that was Richard. Now it's the will of God that that his church, his church. Be healthy. A healthy church is a growing church. So how how is that accomplished? Well, there's another picture I want you to put up there. And here's how a healthy church is accomplished. God gives us his way. And it is a genius way. It is the only way. And that's through the Bible. Uh, Man has his ideas. There are some books that will tell us, well, here's how you grow a church. Here's how you develop something. And and you become a good pastor, here's how you, you can draw crowds, and here's how you can, so forth. But the Word of God tells us how that we grow a healthy, strong church. And one of the repeated themes in the Bible is spiritual health. And it's geared towards individuals, but occasionally it speaks about the church. When we talk about the church, I've said this so much, but I'll say it again. We're talking about people. We're not talking about brick and mortar. We're not talking about wood and carpet. We're not talking about buildings. We only have buildings so we can have a place to meet. Let me give you some examples, just a couple of verses here about the Word of God. And, and, how, and there's more than the Word of God. God builds this church through the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God. The Word of God alone can, can become harsh when, when people use it that way. But the Spirit of God transforms us within and makes us tender as we minister. It gives us love. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, Paul was speaking to some pastors and leaders. And here's what he said, brethren, I commend you to God. And the idea is I'm going to be praying for you. That's what he said. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. The word of God is able to build you up. It's able to build his church up. That's the way, that's the way you, you edify, you build strong a church. It's not by external methods, it's by internal growth. That's, that's how you become healthy. It's through the feeding of the word of God. The most important thing we do here on a Sunday, and, and music is incredibly important. I, I don't just love music. I think music is important. That's why we sing a lot of songs. Frankly, that's why we sing a lot of verses. We're not just trying to get the music out of the way. Uh, I want you, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, to sing with the spirit of understanding. I want you to think about what you're singing. We sing certain types of songs. I want them to minister to your spirit. But usually we call that portion of the service the worship service. In some churches they'll call that that man the, the worship leader. 
Well, when, when preaching is done, it, this is worship. We're worshiping the God of the universe because we are submitting to Him. We're submitting our minds to Him. We're submitting our wills to Him. Whatever you tell me to do, Lord, I'll do it. And He said, I, I, I commend you to the Word of God's grace, which is able to build you up. But it doesn't build everybody up because they're not submitted to it. Jesus said in John 17 and verse 17, Sanctify them. He's praying for His disciples, but He's praying for us. If you read John 17, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Now what is the truth? It's the Word of God. Thy Word is truth. Now someone said, well, all truth is God's truth. And there's a sense to that. God is not behind any error. But the truth of the Word of God has God's Spirit upon it. And we're sanctified. You cannot be sanctified without the truth of God. You cannot be healthy without it. And then you know this verse well in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk. Now that's an old English word. The word sincere means the pure milk. There's nothing added to it. It's just the milk. It's sincere. When you meet someone sincere, that's the real deal. They're not adding anything to it. That's the way they are. Desire the pure, the sincere milk of the Word. Why? That you may grow thereby. Thereby what? By the Word. If you're stymied, if you've plateaued, you've gotten away either from being in the Word or having the Word in you or from obeying the Word of God or all three. Because you can't have the Word in you if you're not in the Word. And that's what that's what keeps us from being spiritually healthy. So when Richard sent me uh, those those plans, uh, just like a muscle has to be torn down, and that's why you're sore. And some of the uh, professionals and even athletes today, they'll drink chocolate milk after a, a workout, not because they crave milk, but particularly chocolate milk has particular proteins to help you to, to heal those, those torn muscles, minuscule, sometimes torn uh, um, veins, not veins, but, but, but I can't forget, forget what they're called now. But all this torn tissue in here. But what happens as you work out, the muscle increases and becomes stronger. As your faith works out, as you, as you obey and you trust, you become stronger. Now, there's other ways that you can grow the church. I wanted to mention that because this is, if you do that and you do what I'm going to talk about this morning, you're not going to be healthy. It starts with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. But I want to give you this one because this is biblical, because this is very neglected. And if you, if you obey the Word of God, but you don't do this, you don't serve, you're going to short-circuit your growth, and it's going to have an effect of weakness on the church. Now, we've been uh, walking through this passage in Galatians chapter 6 this summer. Now, we kind of come to the, the capstone or the conclusion of it. And I want to talk to you this morning on how to bless your church family. How to bless your church family. The whole uh, text is about verses 6 through 10, and we won't read all of that, but it's on sowing and reaping. And he says, one thing you can sow is, is service, and you, you serve others when you do them good. Do good. Now, I want you to look at verse 10. I want you to memorize it, if you would. Not while I preach, but write it down and memorize it. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. We're to do good unto all men, lost people, the people you work with. Yeah, that, that guy's a grump. My boss is a cheat. Do good unto all men. Well, my, that, that guy at, at, uh, at school, Brother Rick, you don't know, he uses God's name in vain. Do good unto all men. Well, they talk about me. Do good unto all men. We talked a lot about that. Do good unto all men. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them. Especially what? Especially doing good unto them who are the household of faith. So you're sowing seeds of good deeds. I'm a rapper and didn't know it. You're sowing seeds of good deeds in ministry of a servant's heart. 
to people. So as you as you serve your brothers and sisters, you get stronger, they get stronger, and and the church gets healthy, the church gets stronger. Now, I want you to see this. I'm not going to spend time on it, but I do want to mention it. I gave the whole message to it last week. It was so important. I hadn't intended to, but that's what God wants us to talk about. Look at verse 10, the last phrase. Especially unto them who are the household of faith. The household of faith. Now, we're saved by faith. We live by faith. But we're not, we're not independent. We're not isolated. We are a household. Now, the word household there, if you study it, and we did last week, I'm not going to pursue all of that right now. It it refers, now listen carefully, it refers to your home. Now, you can have a house and not a home. A house is the building, of a house is where you put your home. When it uses the word household there, a household of faith, it's talking about the people in the house, not the structure. Let me put it another way, it's talking about the relationships. It's talking about the people that you love. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Let us serve everybody. Have a servant's heart. Serve people wherever you go, all the time, 24-7. Do good unto all, especially unto the household of faith, because you're a family. You have brothers and sisters. If you know Jesus this morning, you're my brother in the Lord, you're my sister in the Lord. Paul told Timothy uh, often in the scriptures, he says, you're my beloved son. You're my beloved son. Well, if Timothy was his beloved father, who was Paul? Paul was his spiritual father. And that Timothy had a physical father. And Paul was not to assume that role. We don't do that in the church. But Timothy's father was, was not a believer. And there were some things spiritually that he could not connect with his son. And... Uh, it says that Timothy's mother and grandmother, Second Timothy 1, impacted him as Paul did. And so in this church, you have brothers and sisters and spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers and spiritual grandparents and spiritual children and spiritual grandchildren. And that's the way it should be. Now, I'm not, this is not a cult where you, you leave your family out. You have responsibilities and affectionate responsibilities to your family. But nevertheless, the Bible says we are a household. We're, we're like a family of faith and we have responsibilities. Now, what are these What are these responsibilities? Well, there's a bunch of them, but I want to give you three. And I'm just going to mention one responsibility and then I'm going to kind of illustrate those as we go through. In Hebrews chapter 10, if you'll turn there with me. Thank you, Heaven. Hebrews chapter 10. And here in this passage, you see these three ways to help us to strengthen our church. Now, these three um, approaches, these three activities are to be done as you have opportunity. As you have, therefore, opportunity. Now, you need to do this every Sunday. You need to do this when we dismiss life group from, from there on the way over here. You, you, you don't run in here and run out. Some of you come to church to get out. You get the closest place as soon as it's over. You come late. You, you get out late. And, and you're, you're not practicing. The, you're, you're weak and the church is weak. And you need to slow down. But it's not just so you can, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm about to tell you. And it will help you. It will, it will help our church family. By the way, what I'm going to teach you this morning, it will help your family. So what are these things? In Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And here he talks about the local church not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's the meeting of the assembly, the church. Don't forsake it. He wrote to them because some of them were. He said, "Don't, don't forsake the assembly. Don't leave it off. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And look at this. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what he was saying? As as we see the day of Christ coming, we need more gatherings. We need, if you'll allow me to say it like this, we need more church. We need more gatherings. We need more connections 
Not less. You, you don't need less. You, you need more inputs. So how, how do you serve? I'm going to focus on verse 24 and give, give you one main idea, and then I'm going to give you some illustrations, and I'm going to give you other biblical support for that. Well, we serve by our consideration. You, you strengthen people by considering them. To me, to me, this is transformative. Now, this is so simple, you stumble over it. This will change your life. It will change your life group. It will change your family. It will change your friendships. It will change everything about you, and it will change this church. Notice in verse 24, and let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. It's so simple, but it's so important. In fact, if you mark in your Bible, and I hope you do, why don't you underline that? Consider one another. What does it mean to consider one another? Well, the New Testament was written in Greek, and uh, that doesn't mean that uh, it doesn't mean consider, but the Greek is very technical, and, and it, there, there are synonyms and other ways that it's used. Let, let me show you, let me expand the meaning of that. It means to focus on something intently. Are you with me? This is what it means. To focus intently, it means to be attentive. To fix your eyes and mind on someone in order to carefully understand them, to have greater understanding. It's not because you're a busybody, so you can criticize them, so you can help them. It means, it means you become a student of people, so you can love them, so you can understand them. And you'll see how this works out. The Lord Jesus Christ um, told his disciples, and he was talking about worry in Luke twelve twenty seven. He said, consider the lilies, how they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. That's how they made fabric back then. I don't have time to go into it, but the ladies would, they had this little machine. They worked with their feet, and man, they were furious. He said, they're, they're not working. They're not, they're not furious. He said, they just grow. He said, consider the lilies. He's giving them an illustration. He's probably, this, this is the Sermon on the Mount. I've been there. He, he, he's on the outside. And he's saying, see, see the lily over there? Look at the flowers. What he, what he does, he wants them to look at it. He's not just, okay, bang. I was telling my wife uh, the other day, I want to be careful when I say this, because I, I don't want it to come across wrong. Because sometimes it, I don't want to sound self-righteous. This is what I'm saying. And I want to be very careful. But I think sometimes people will say, well, Brother Rick, you just have a good memory. You were born with a good memory. And well, maybe, maybe I was. But here's what I believe. I think I have a disciplined memory. I think I focus on things that other people don't focus on. Now, you can ask her, I don't know anything about a lot of things. But what I know about, I know about. I know a lot of things about the Bible, and I know a lot of things about people. I don't mean like where they were born, and, and I, now sometimes I do, but I'm talking about their burdens. And and I think that this is what the word means here. It says to consider one another. Now listen carefully. We focus on what we value. For example, if you uh, and it's not wrong to have stocks if you if you're in the stock market, especially when that thing gets gets going and it's shooting up, but when it goes going down, you you don't read that daily. You're reading that thing every hour. Oh boy, I remember uh, Jeremiah got Paul to buy stock. Man, it was big time, hundred dollars. And um, she came in sheepishly. She said, "Well, I bought." I bought some stocks. I said, you did what? I I wasn't opposed to it. It was just so unlike Paula. Mom, mom, this one's going big. This one's going big. And then she sold the thing after a year, Paula. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say these things. You can talk to her after church. She'll be glad to talk to you. And I said, that's not the way you do this. I mean, I know all about it, right? But uh, you, you focus on what you value. 
And boy, you get that thing out. Oh man, I'm in trouble. I'm gonna, I've got all this money. I'm not saying that's wrong. Here's what I am saying. Is, is when you don't value people. I mean, you value your grandkids. You ought to. But you don't value other people's kids. You value, I hope you value your marriage, but you don't value other people's marriages. Now, I know it's not the same. You don't give the same amount of energy to it. But look, do good unto all, especially sowing seeds, especially those of the household of faith. This doesn't mean just, hey, here's $10. Sometimes that's an easy way out. Sometimes that's a God, to, you need to do that. But doing good is... is it's sometimes difficult. We were at Opryland one year. I, I was asking Paul about this. Uh, this is, oh, oh my, this was 27 years ago, I guess. Uh, no, uh, 29 years ago. Yeah, because Jordan was there. He was about three or four years old. And so uh, they had a little zoo. Now, those of you who don't know, it was up where Opry Mills is now in Nashville. And I, I loved it. It was kind of like a Dollywood place. I, I, I loved going there. And so they had like a, a little small petting zoo. And how many of you remember the petting zoo there? Anybody remember that? Yeah, okay. No, right where it was. Well, he, he got curious and went over there. He's always loved animals. And he got separated from us. And and it didn't take long. And all of a sudden, man, where's Jordan? And Jordan is always... Enjoyed talking to people and probably saw another animal and said, yeah, look at this. Here's a goat and here's a sheep. And, and we couldn't find him. And, you know, when you're forking out a lot of money for the day for your kids, it's like now in the moment you don't care. But later on, when you find him, it's like, oh, man, you're grateful for a few minutes. And, oh, man, I wish you would have stayed with us. But in the minute, would he care? And Paula said, you go this way, I'll go that way. And we ran. And do you know what we were doing? We were considering children. We were focusing on kids. We, were, we weren't glancing. We were saying, is that him? We were looking at little boys that were three, four, five years old, probably in that age group. Do you know why? Because he was important to us. You, you focus on what you value. Now, <clears throat> this... This this presupposes uh, this whole thing of considering one another. It presupposes this idea. You have to accept this. This is what it's saying. That church is not about you. Well, I, I used to got there. I used to go there. But, yeah, I got my feelings hurt. I, I used to go there, but, but I, I didn't like. I used to go there, but I, and if you, if you start writing it down, it's me and I and, and me. And I'm not saying God doesn't move people. I'm not saying that. That's up to God and people. I'm not trying to keep anybody. I am saying you need to be careful. It's about God. It's really not even about other people, but God works through us so we can serve other people. It's not about me. Sometimes I get tickled when, I, when I'll talk to people and say, well, you know, uh, I was over in the nursery and I got my feelings hurt or I was here and, and I want to, but I don't, well, you don't think I ever got my feelings hurt? You don't think my wife ever got her feelings hurt? Well, of course we did. And we're not better than you, but what, what happens is people get real selfish and they get wrapped up in, in their rights they get wrapped up in, in my perspective. And then if you're not careful, you become vindictive and begin to justify your feelings. It's, it's not about us. The Bible says consider one another. I'm to take off this stuff as soon, even before, before I hit the parking lot. And when I leave, I, I, I'm thinking about some things I saw. I'm writing down some prayer things. In, in our class, we shared some some very serious prayer needs. Will, will you pray for the things y'all shared this week? Will you check up on people? When uh, I was a boy, Gail Sayers had a, a book, and it was called I Am Third. 
And I was a reader, and my mom helped me with that. And I read that book, and it's the first time I came across it. And, and it just spoke to me. I am third. And here was the thesis of his book. He said, God is first, others are second, and I am third. And I was nine or ten years old, and I thought, and it was a value. It, it struck me. I thought, well, Rick, what are you going to do with that? God ought to be first. Other people ought to be second. My family, my friends, other people ought to be second. And I need to be last. I need to be considerate. You know, we say that, well, you need to be considerate. What a considerate means? It just means to consider other people. Now, I want you to look at something that's really important. Look at verse 24 again with me. Notice the, the verse there. Consider, I'm going to mispronounce it, okay, or, or misread it. Uh, Hebrews ten twenty four. Let us consider the church. Let us consider the family. Let us consider the life group. It says, let us consider one another. Verse 25, exhorting one another. The, the Bible is filled with one another commands. Pray for one another. Submit to one another. And you're not a good Christian because you strive to fulfill imperatives. It's Christianity is about personal relationships. It's about relating to God and relating. To, I've been criticized a little bit indirectly for this. You preach on relationships too much. Well, you can take, take that up with God. It's about, that's what the Ten Commandments are. The first part's about relating to God. The second part's about relating to people. And he says here, he says, consider one another. We need to be considerate. So all, listen, all around you seated are people that have specific needs. Every person in here. But what happens, and I understand, listen, I understand, I have, I have pain. I have physical pain and I have emotional pain, just like you. And, and I know emotional pain is worse than physical pain. But I can't be selfish. When I come in, I, I can't come here, not just here, but but out there and, and want, um, oh, Daniel, I, I want you to help me. Uh, Daniel, Daniel's busy. He's got stuff going on. They sometimes are up all night with a baby and, and, and stuff. And, 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 and you have needs. I'm thankful you came this morning. But it's not, and so when you walk in, look look around, get your blinders off. But it's not just on Sunday. The Holy Spirit of God will remind you of people in this room all through the week. And when He does, you need to do something about it. And who do that in your family? That's one of the reasons I, I love texting with my kids, and I can say, "Hey, I'm praying for you about this." I love to send songs. To my kids, and sometimes when people have uh, particular needs, if you don't have a servant's heart, you're, you're not going to serve. Do good unto all, especially unto those who are the household of faith, as you have opportunities. As you have opportunities. Do you have opportunities? You, you've had opportunities today. But you, you, have, to, you have to consider it's customized. You, 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 have to get, you have to get this off. Well, you don't know about my week. You don't know about my day. You don't know about my pain. I, I went to the dentist and it, and it failed. I, I had a root canal. You don't know about my financial needs. You don't, I'm sorry. I don't. One time I made a statement in church and I, and I, I came back around. But somebody came to me and said, that really helped me what you said today. And I want to make it again, and I'm going to back it up with something. But I want, I want you to listen to me. Nobody really cares about your problems. Now, that's not literally true. But once you realize, they can't. That's why. It's not that they're indifferent. They can't. they got so much junk going on in their life. And you want everybody to hear your story. They can't. That's why the Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He careth for you. They can't. 
And so, I mean, even in churches and fame, well, nobody cares. Sometimes people can't or, or they don't know. And I'm making an appeal for us today that, that we will take our opportunities. And I'll talk to you about that in a moment. I want you to write this down. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. A man named J. Henry Jowett said that ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. To consider people as expensive, again, at the cost of maybe the risk of, of being judged, I'll, I'll say this, and I don't want to, but some would say, you know, preacher, I, I wish I was compassionate like you. I wish I was thoughtful like you. Oh, no, you don't. It's expensive. It's expensive. You're going to weep a lot. Because here's the thing. If you're compassionate, you're not just compassionate about your family. If you're compassionate, you're not just compassionate about your own interests. Because you're going to be doing good unto all. You're going to be considering all. But especially, especially the household of faith. And it's going to be expensive. If you're bitter here today, you're angry, it's because you're, you're considering your wounds. Oh, he said this, and, and they said this, and, and they didn't take care of that, and nobody loves me. And, and you're occupied with your wound, your offense, and the offender. And that's going to be your future. Because this is, there's, there's an inward there's an inward consideration. Gratitude, gratitude lifts up from here and says, God, thank you. Thank you for these people. I did a funeral Friday, family, friend. Thank you. Thank you for these people. My wife told me, she said uh, later, she said, Rick, after my brother Hoss spoke to me and him, she said, you did good. She said, after I finished and heard you and Hoss talk, it made, me, it made me wish that I had been in your family. Well, it was easy because of the people. But I considered them. I got a call late Tuesday night. And I spent many, many hours marinating, not just writing, but marinating. Every funeral, every funeral that I do, if I know them, I, I give hours and hours and hours to it. If I speak 20 minutes, because this is it, it's, it this is all they get. Now, I'm not asking you to say, that's a wonderful thing. It's just... People, listen, people need to be considered. And you know why people don't write good notes? And, and again, at the risk of maybe getting in something that's not my business, but hey, uh, thank you for the wedding gift. Bang. Well, okay. That's different than, hey, thank you for the investment in my life. You and Paula have been a blessing to me. I remember when he said, well, well that, that would take a lot of time. Yeah, that's the idea. That's, that's called a thank you note. That's gratitude. But we're all busy. We're all busy. And if you've ever seen one, it would touch you to say, wow. You say, well, that's a gifted writer. No, that's somebody with a big heart. Gratitude grows through through nourishment. Bitterness grows through contemplation. Notice what David said in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 24. Only fear the Lord, serve Him in truth with all of your heart. For consider how great things He hath done for you. Consider how great things He hath done for you. Just think about them. Think about it. Think about the many things God has done for you. Not the things maybe you felt like you could have done differently. Just think about it. You know what I don't like to hear sometimes is at a funeral where maybe a child will speak and they'll say, well, 
My mom wasn't perfect. Well, we already knew that. We're all sinners. And I remember, you know, she'd fuss at us. But, you know, she was a blessing. Or somebody will write a book and they'll talk about the failings of their parents. God says, and God doesn't have any errors. Consider how great things he has done for you. Consider the blessings of your friends and your parents. Listen, you become what you focus on. All of that, that energy, if you want to call it, 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 just, it just comes back to you. Now, let me give you a list here. Number one, this means you consider those with burdens. This will help you. This morning, consider people with burdens. That means people that are here and people that are not here. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3, Remember them that are in bonds, that are in prison. Now you're not in prison, they are. So what does he want you to do? Look at the first word, remember. I want you to consider them. As bound with them. See the word as? That's why I said this is expensive. You know, yeah, you're, they're in jail. We prayed for him. Uh, hey, will you bring some mustard with that? No, you, compassion is expensive. You said, what's it like to not be with your family? What's it like to, and you begin to go down there. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them. And then, as I did remember, and remember them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Now, that could be your physical body, or it could be the spiritual body of the church. I think it may be both. Now, even though you may not have, have lost a child, if your mind will allow you to go there a little bit, you could think about that. You haven't lost a spouse, you could think about that. You don't have cancer, you could think about that. Remember them. When we don't remember, it destroys our gratitude. And the Bible says our consideration when we come here, listen, this affects you. You don't become grumpy. You don't become negative. You don't become ungrateful. I remember um, several years ago, I pulled up here for a church in Sunday morning and uh and I got out and I saw one of our, our precious widow ladies. I'll tell you who it was, Becky Adams. And Becky had uh, gotten out of her car and she was coming to her Sunday school class. And, and I just watched her. And I thought, I wonder what it's like to go to class alone without your spouse. I wonder what it's like to eat breakfast alone. I wonder what it's like to live alone after being married for over 50 years. I wonder what, and, and so on. Now, I still remember that. It affected me. And every, every Sunday and every time you need to think about people that have burdens, just think about them. It will change you. And maybe sometimes just say, hey, I've been praying for you this week. I've just been thinking about you. And maybe tell them why. Number two, consider people that have needs. People that have needs. You know, people that uh, I think we assume sometimes wrongly that everybody has the same amount of resources and opportunities that we do. And so we can become pretty judgmental. Well, I tell you, well, they haven't managed their money well. well you don't know. Maybe they have. You, you, you don't know everything. Be careful. Well, I would have done this. Well, maybe you would. You don't know everything. Consider those with needs. There's different kinds of needs, not just financial. Psalm 41 and verse 1, Blessed he... Blessed is he that considereth the poor. Now, the considering needs to lead to action, but you're never going to have an action without consideration. 
the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Now, this is the one that's doing the considering. Considering the poor. Someone that has less than you. Again, in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 7, the righteous considereth the cause of the poor. Consideration. But the wicked regardeth not to know it. Wicked people, they, they don't want to know it. They, that's not their thing. They, they're counting their shekels. You stop and think. Consider those with needs. Next, consider those that sorrow. Consider people that, that are on sorrow, that are grieving. Listen, people in grief don't need to be fixed. They're just hurting. They're just hurting. Well, you know, all things work together for good, and then to love God, and then we're calling His purpose. We know that verse. We believe it. It doesn't say that God's not good when you're grieving. In fact, that's what gets us through, but sometimes we quote it through tears. Here's what it says, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. It doesn't say explain to them. It says weep with them. Show up, just sit with them. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, This December, it'll be 20 years since my, my brother's wife died. She died in his arms. He was 40, she was 39. And I remember the next day, it was December the 11th. My mom died on December the 11th. We were in the room across my mom's body and Hoss looked at me. He said, Rick, he said, uh, this is the day Lisa died. And uh, it was it was so difficult. And so we went across from... Uh, the, the cemetery over there on California Street. And right across from it, most of you have never noticed, unless you've been over there. And by the way, this is why some people aren't, they, you're not bad, you just don't have the capacity because you, you haven't had a broken heart yet. But, um, so we're in there looking for a grave to buy a grave and a headstone. And we're waiting for the appointment. And I'm, I'm watching. I'm sitting across my brother, considering him, just watching him, weeping. I remember I went into Books of Me, and I had to do something about two weeks later. I had to do something. I didn't know what to do. And I said, well, I'll, write, I'll get a card, and I'll write in it somehow to let him know I care about him. And I'm in here trying to find cards, and I'm, just, I'm weeping. I'm not crying. I'm weeping for my brother. We're sitting in that room, in that little place, trying to find, just barely 24 hours after his wife's gone. And he's got his head down, his big old body. And and he looked up. He said, I never knew here. I never knew I'd be here yesterday. I can't believe I'm here. Weep with those that weep. Here's one. Consider those that are weak in the faith. There's some that don't know the Bible like you do. And maybe they do some things differently. And they don't know enough. And you need to be gentle with them. Be careful with them. I remember when Gary Bird was uh, was so excited about something. And, and he told me this years later, I'd forgotten about it. And he was going to a particular activity, and he said, hey, Rick, and he was a teenager, and and he told me years later, he said, I remember when I told you, you kind of looked at me, he said, oh, oh. And he said, you never, here's what he said, you never rebuked me. But I I, I could tell that that something, something wasn't fully, you weren't fully excited about it. And he said, it didn't offend me. It let me know that, oh, okay, 
Listen, there's lots of ways that you can carry people and minister to people without crawling all over them. The Bible says in Romans 15, verses 1 through 3, we then that are strong. This means strong in knowledge, strong in doctrine. You know the Word of God. Ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, weaken their faith. There's something when they're young in the Lord, they, they don't know some things. Not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor. Look at this. For his good. To edification for the church. All right, this is, when I preach, I'm preaching to people that have been saved for a year and people that have been saved for 60 years. It's not an easy assignment. Christ pleased not himself. Do not press your lifestyle and your necessary convictions on, on a young Christian always. You can, you, can, you can hurt them. And by the way, don't, don't flaunt your, your license and wound the conscience of others. The, the church, we need to respect one another. Next, consider those that have fallen into sin. Consider those that have fallen into sin. Hey, did you hear? Did you know? I can't believe it. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. The word restore there is used of a doctor mending a broken bone. You do that tenderly. Now, today we've got anesthetics to help with that. But even then, you, you, you do that carefully and intentionally. And we're there to restore them. And with the spirit of meekness, by the way, that's a fruit of the spirit. Everyone is not qualified to restore people. We're not there to judge. We're there to help. Consider them. And then here's the flip side of it. Restore them in the spirit of meekness. Consider yourself. Consider them, then consider yourself, lest thou also be tempted well, I know one thing. I would never do that. I have told you for decades, if it can be done, you can do it. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear. Here, here's the word bear. It means to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is the burden? Because it's hard to help a broken Christian. It's hard to restore them. Everybody's not equipped to do it because you have to be spiritually mature. Next, consider the discouraged. These are people you're looking for. Consider the discouraged. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. When we come together, comfort people. The word comfort in the Bible, it means to offer people your strength. It's more than just putting your arm around them and includes that. But when you walk away, it means, hey, I'm stronger for our connection. Edify. Look at the one another's here. Edify one another. Even, and here he, he commends them, as ye also do it. Be on the lookout for people. And then in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Sometimes it makes your body stoop. Find people whose hearts are stooping. And sometimes you don't have to fix them. You just need to be there for them. I had a, a very precious friend, one of my closest friends in the world, a pastor, and God put him on my heart, and I... Uh, I wrote his name down. What happens is when God does this, I write their name down. Okay, this is on my list. I've got to make these calls. And so a couple of days passed. I called him. I said, I think I wrote it down on Thursday and Friday. I called him on next Monday or Tuesday. He answered and we talked. I said, you know, I've been thinking about you. I said, God put you on my heart last week. And I, I should have called you then, but I, I just wanted to call you. You know what he said? He said, oh, I wish you had. I said, what's going on? He said, will I resign the church on Sunday? Oh, I wish I had too. 
I did call, but I called too late. Find some stooped hearts. I love to do that. Sometimes it's not about fixing people. They're all over this room. You're one of them. And by the way, you're better qualified than anybody. Don't, don't wait on other people. Just we help one another. Consider where a person is in their spiritual walk. This is very practical. Consider where somebody is in their spiritual walk. You say, what do you mean, Rick? Well, you don't treat everybody the same. If you mistreat people, you will destroy them. Here's the verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, to warn them that are unruly. So somebody that's unruly, unruled, they're rebellious, you warn them. I've probably done that this many times. Maybe some more, I don't know. And I'm talking about privately in my ministry here, not very often. You warn and say, no, that's enough. No, we're not doing that. You will not do that. You warn them. You comfort the feeble-minded. Now, you say, well, I I know her. No, feeble-minded means discouraged. They need comfort. You don't warn them. You'll destroy her. And you don't comfort an unruly person. Well, what's happened? What did they do after they're spreading it? No, you don't comfort them. You warn them. You need to stop. That's enough. But somebody's discouraged, you comfort them. And then you support the weak. What is the weak? Those are people that are weak in faith. They don't know all of the Bible. And, and they got a few things wrong. They need to be taught. We'll support you. And then, and then patient toward everybody. That's a good scripture. It's a good verse for counseling, but it's good for church health. And then last of all, and I'm finished. And all God's people said, never mind. Consider, this is an important message. Consider your words. Consider what you say. And here, here's a verse. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Righteous people study their responses. But the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. You see, a godly man, a godly woman is careful with their words. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. Consider your words when you come to church. Think who's going to be there. What can you say? Proverbs 15, 30. The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart. A good report maketh the bones fat. It makes people healthy. Learn, learn, learn to give good reports. Some of, you, some of you have a negative bent. And if you were to keep track and have negative and positive and just start writing, you would realize, I am negative. Oh, I'm not I'm just. I'm just... Realistic. Well, I would beg to differ, differ. You can be realistic and not be negative. That may deal with something negative, but you can say it. You're sugarcoating things. Well, a spoonful of sugar makes medicine go down, I guess. There's times we have to be negative. But when you're consistently, you have that slant, something's wrong. A good report makes the bones fat. Learn, learn to give good reports. And then here's one. I close with this. As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather. That doesn't match. When it's cold, you need a coat. And as vinegar upon nitre. That's like in those days they, they would take uh, these, these two ingredients didn't match. And it would cause a bubbling. And they're not to put together. They're not consistent with each other. It's like a person outside without a coat. That, that doesn't go together. And, and you put vinegar with nitro, with, with baking soda. Those, those don't mix together. It causes a reaction. So is he, here's the point, that singeth songs to a heavy heart. It, it's, it's thoughtlessness, it, and it causes a reaction. And the Bible, over and over and over again, it teaches us to, to, to be considerate people. I'm not talking about being nice. 
I'm talking about in your home, with your husband, your wife, your kids, and particularly in this church. As we have, therefore, opportunity. You'll have opportunities if you go out to eat today. You'll have opportunities from here to your car. Let us do good unto all. Sow some seeds, especially unto them of the household of faith. Would you to bow your heads with me if you would. I preach to Christians today, and I appreciate your attention.